everybody. Welcome back to the Wildlife Command Center podcast. I am your host, Chris Starr, and today I have Michael Bearhands Grant on. And as you can see by the title, we're going to talk about his 22 years of marriage to his wife, Bonnie Baran, as well as some tips and tricks for keeping bed bugs out of your bed. If you guys haven't subscribed yet, please subscribe as well as give us an awesome five-star review. We really appreciate it. It does help out the channel, helps out the pond. Let's jump in with myself and Michael Bearhands Baran. So Michael, today is your and Bonnie's... 22nd wedding anniversary. Holy smokes. 22 years of marital bliss (laughs) and and constant amore. Aw. I'm serious. I mean, we are still living with our heads up in the clouds. Aw, that's great. Yeah. We started dating in 1999 and Prince was singing about 1999. He, he (laughs) He was still alive then. And he was partying like it's 1999. That right there, you know, me and Bonnie, we have lived through and we have been married through quite a few economic crises. And that was really our very first global situation was Y2K. And it was significant for us for two reasons, really. Because one, we met online through online dating in 1999. <laughs> the AOL chat rooms. There was a site that was called Love at AOL. Get out of here. Oh, yeah. I had a whole profile and everything you know, set up. I would log in to that computer and it would go... <laughs> as the analog modem logged into the internet and I'd have a message from someone has viewed your profile. You've got mail. Another thing that was significant about it is that I was at the time working for Centennial Wireless. It was the beginnings of real cellular customs and culture. You know, Centennial Wireless was one of the first companies in Louisiana that had completely built out a network of cellular towers that were all within three miles of each other, which, you know, nowadays, you ain't getting no signal if your cell tower is three miles from you. Really? What? You'll barely get a signal if the cell tower is in sight. Huh. Yeah, so back in the day, we had... Big old, huge rock phones, bag phones, that were three watts of pure push-out power. And we could reach out to the cell tower and say, there you are, baby. Come come here. And we could really reach out. Your cell phone that you have right now is 0.5 of a watt. I was just about to ask that. Is it, was it stronger? 0.5 of a watt. Jeez. Three watts. That's, wow, that's six times stronger. But anyway, we're going down a rabbit hole. Me and Bonnie have been married for 22 years, and Y2K was the, the biggest thing that was facing us. And, and I'm going to tell you, in December of 1999, 
it was huge, man. I mean, the media was like, the world is going to end midnight, December the 31st, 1999. Why did they think it was going to end? Because none of the computers, nobody knew what was going to happen when the new year rolled over and it went from 99 to zero, zero. Like nobody really knew what was going to happen. Everybody was predicting doom and gloom and financial institutions were going to shut down and there was going to be no, no ATMs were going to work the next day and everything was going to come to a screeching halt. And I'm going to tell you, it was serious. When you were living in that moment in December of 1999, I mean, the grocery stores were wiped out. You couldn't find any prepping materials. There was no water to be had anywhere. I mean, it was crazy. None of the cell phones were going to work. None of the digital technology, which then was just really taken off. Like digital technology was really just taken off. You know, the internet was just a few years old, literally. The internet was less than a decade old then, you know, because really the internet really didn't start till like 95, 96. And so that was the very first thing that me and Bonnie faced, you know. And so we went to my mom and dad's house out in the woods in Louisiana. We hunkered down and we counted down. We counted down and we were on our computer, love at AOL. And freaking thing rolled over. And nothing happened. Not a thing. But our good old media, those wonderful journalists out there in our media, they had us all convinced that shit was fixing to go down, man. And I really think that for me, that's when I really, really first started mistrusting the, the media. And now my disdain for primetime media is just like, they're all just stupid, you know? Like there's not one good, legitimate person that's really putting out baseline facts about anything. They all twist it. They all try to make it seem so dramatic. They all want to craft it to work to their political agenda. You know, it's it's crazy. It really is. You know, as of now, you just don't even you just don't even think about it because it's like non sequitur, at least in my mind. Like complete indifference, complete apathy to any of those sources. You know what I mean? I do know what you Neither mean. Neither here nor there. Because can't trust it. But Nowadays, I mean, what the hell? The Russians are invading Ukraine, you know. And where, what have you heard about it recently? Not much. It's kind of died off, even though we're sending billions. Which is stupid. Yeah, I kind of I got to agree. You know, not to go down this rabbit hole, but we're like, we're not involved. We're not involved. We're not getting involved, but we're sending like billions of dollars and like all of the weapons that they need over. It's like if <laughs> I heard that I heard it put it this way. This was pretty funny. It's like if your kid and your neighbor's kid is fighting are fighting and you keep giving your kid knives. Right. <laughs> but they're like, but I'm not I'm not involved, but you keep giving them knives. I'm not getting involved. The kid, they're just tussling. You know what I mean? Here's a knife. Here's another knife. Oh, you lost your knife. Here's another one. It's the craziness of it. Oh, on that subject, the other night, I gave 85 pocket knives 
to some kids, 11, 12, and 13 years old. Michael did exactly that. I did do that. I'm going to tell you what. I went out and did a, um, an educational talk to, oh, yeah. to the Boy Scouts of America. And I had about 82 kids. Now, we're talking 11, 12, and 13-year-old kids. Not my favorite mm-hmm. demographic. Not my favorite <laughs> demographic. Right. But these kids were attentive. These kids were polite. These kids were very respectful. And, you know, 85 is like, when they told me there was going to be 90 kids there, I was like, oh, God, what did I get myself into? I was, do not like crowds <laughs> like that. Like, I don't like doing educational programs to crowds that large. Like, my comfort level is 20. Like, that's the perfect amount. I can get, I can get everybody's questions. But when I got there, they told me, oh, yeah, by the way, we think the crowd has grown a little bit. There's probably 90 kids there. And I was like, 90 kids. And then I didn't believe them. Because, you know, there's, I was like, there's no way 90 Y'all got 90 kids out? They had 500 kids out there at that, count ranch, that scout ranch. What? Yeah, 500 children out there at that scout ranch. I don't know if you've ever been to the scout ranch here in High Ridge, Missouri. It is amazing. Like, I was just blown away at that scout ranch. But anyway, we did this. We did an educational talk. And all I talked, you know, I always try to narrow down and give my talks up on a niche subject whenever I'm talking to little kids. I don't like to talk about a whole bunch of different things. So the only thing I was talking about were king snakes in our ecosystem. And I brought two snakes, you know, the two king snakes that I have. And it was amazing to keep those kids entertained for an hour and how well behaved they were. And so we have these these little multi-tool pocket knives for Wildlife Command Center. There were plenty of adults in there at the end of the program. And Bonnie went with me. Bonnie pretended like she was like all part of all into snake handling too. I'll tell you, she did a great job. <laughs> I saw that picture. Michael, I used that picture. Thank you for that picture. Oh, yeah? Because I sent it to my lady. I'm like, look, Michael's wife used to be terrified of snakes. And now uh-huh. look at her and look at this smile. And so she's over there. Like she totally got over her fear. Oh, cool. So thank you for that. Yeah. <laughs> It worked out pretty good. But anyway, we got, all, we got all the parents up, and I was like, okay, everybody's got their Whitland chit, raised their hand, about half the kids raised their hand. I said, everybody that's working on their Whitland chit that just needs a little bit of extra attention, raise your C-H-I-T, hand. C-H-I-T, everybody, not the other word. Whitland chit. Yes. Anyway, so we had all the parents come up. Anyway, we dispersed the pocket knives, and it was great. I mean, it was great. And then what was really amazing afterwards is, you know, I was up on the stage and we were all talking and stuff like that. And these little bitty children, I mean, you know, like 11, 12, and 13-year-old is like adolescent. Like they, they haven't really started growing yet. And like they're all Bonnie size. Yeah, exactly. But anyway, they were just coming up to me. And they, were just, they would just stand there so politely looking at me and I'd give them attention. I said, hey, how you doing? And they would... They would say so nicely, thank you very much. I really enjoyed that. Appreciate the gift. And I was like, what, what universe am I in? The scout universe, dude. This is, this is not, ki- these are not kids today. Being gracious, you know, being polite, being respectful. 
Yeah, it was it was pretty crazy. That's good to hear, man. That's kind of that's pretty refreshing. Yeah, it is. So you know, people can poo poo on the scouts all they want, but I'm gonna tell you, there's some quality kids. There's at least some baseline quality coming up out of that, out of those ranks. That's great. But anyway, I told that story for a couple different reasons, but mostly because Bonnie was with me, you know, and she was she was part of that, and it was good. And she has really been. Like, she is not about animals. Baseline? No, she really isn't. No animals allowed at my house at all. If it's got feathers or fur, if it poops, nah, not at the house. She makes an exception for me. But when I come home, I've got to strip down at the washing machine, all the clothes go in there, and then immediately beeline it into the shower, take a shower, and then once you get decontaminated, then I can have a kiss. <laughs> you know I mean it's not a bad idea considering our line of work yeah it, it really isn't and I'll tell you something else you know in, in St. Louis which is the headquarters for Wildlife Command Center we've got two contracts with St. Charles County and Jefferson County which I just won both those contracts mm. again oh nice even though I put a 30% price increase on it well I mean yeah that's pretty much baseline with what's been going on, like necessary, you know? Yep. Anyway, you know, we pick up dead deer. That's what the contract is. Pick up dead deer and pick up dead animals off the highways and, and roadways. And you know what happens to a deer when it dies? All those little parasitic ticks that are on that deer, they immediately know that their host is dead. And so all the ticks on the deer go to the top and sit on the ends of the hair and they put their little two feelers up and they wait yeah. and they wait for the next warm mammal to come along, which usually is me, unless a dog gets in there. And I mean, those things jump off on me, but I use puppy shampoo in the shower. That's what I use to decontaminate. <laughs> what? Yeah, puppy shampoo. It's great. Get I sh- out of here. Shampoo my hair with it, shampoo my armpits, clean myself up. Try to but if there is one tick on me, it will jump ship and jump on Bonnie and get her. And I mean, they just love her, you know? And she's not an outside person, especially in this kind of heat right now. So she doesn't ever go outside. So you know I'm the one that gave it. That's the tick. That's where the tick came from. It's me. So she freaks out. She, she'll wake up and there'll be a tick on her or, the, or she'll wake up and there'll be a bite on her and she freaks out. And she's like, I'm going to wash every sheet. She washes all the sheets and the pillowcases and everything because she knows that the, one of the best ways to control ticks and bed bugs is to wash your bed clothes, your sheets and your and things. Like if I was going to give out the number one tip to the world, how to deal with bed bugs, I would say wash your shit. All you got to do is wash your sheets. Washing the sheets will kill 90% of the bed bugs. Because, you know, we, we track bed bugs everywhere. Every time we go to a hotel room, we get bed bugs. Every time we go out, we get bed bugs. Those things track everywhere. Like, nobody is immune to bed bugs. Like, every single person that ever listens to this podcast or has watched our YouTube page or has clicked on my Facebook, every single person has been involved with bed bugs, whether they know it or not. But you wash your clothes and then you dry them and you will kill them. They will die. They can't survive that. 
what part of the process can they not survive? Like the washing or the drying? Like the high heat or the, like the water? So the high heat kills them in the end, but they can't survive. They've got to breathe. And so they can't survive submerged. They really can't survive the surfactant if the oh. surfactant gets on them. So detergent. Now in the washer, you know, washing machines, the surfactant isn't as great as a dishwasher and dishwasher is not as great as washing the dishes in your sink. Dish soap, Dawn, is a much greater surfactant than laundry detergent gain because you got a lot of agitation going and if you had a really great surfactant, you just have foam and suds everywhere. Oh, yeah. So that's what happens like in those movies when like a kid was like, I'm doing the laundry and they put dish soap in the in the washing machine and the bubbles are just like fill up the kitchen. Yeah, it it just goes crazy. But yeah, so bed bugs, so they can succumb to the surfactant, especially the surfactant and water. They can't survive submerged for long periods of time. If they do survive, then the heat of the of the dryer gets them and and kills them. So you could use just the dryer to, to kill them, it would be effective because heat treatments are one of the ways that we deal with bed bugs. But anyway, I digress. If Bonnie gets bit by a tick, <laughs> then everything, I'm in trouble and I am to blame and she shouldn't have let that animal in the house, even though she's married to him. <laughs> we are going to do something about it. And that something is that I will take another shower, whether I want to, I don't even question it if she says you go shout you know there's like a at this point it's like a pavlovian response trigger in your mind where you like get up from your computer chair and immediately walk to the shower yes <laughs> i'm not i'm not i'm not even kidding i don't care what i'm into i don't care if i'm you stand like stand up i do i get up and i go I, I get up and i go and even down to our chores you know like she never has to ask me to take the garbage out because I have garbage eyes. Some guys, believe it or not, some guys have garbage glasses and they can't see garbage in the garbage can. They can't see it. It could be full <laughs> to the top. They could open yep. it and throw something away and it'd be full to the top and they cannot see that. But I, I have garbage glasses and when I open it up, if it's three quarters of the way full, I'm like, you know what? If I take that out now, it's not going to be nearly as heavy. And I get brownie points. And then I don't have to put the bag in, in the trash can because we understand that if I take the trash out and I take the trash to the dumpster, she puts the bag in. It works perfectly like that. Another thing that we do together is that if I wash the clothes, she dries and folds them. If she washes the clothes and I see wet clothes in the washer when I come home, I put them in the dryer. And then when the dryer's done, I fold them. And we work back and forth like that. The only thing that we do that is really unfair and it's really her is she scrubs my bathroom every day. She scrubs your bathroom? She scrubs my bathroom every day. She, ha she has a very sensitive nose. And if I get one little droplet of urine on the side of the toilet. <laughs> she can smell it 
<laughs> and she uh, will not tolerate that. I just sit. I just don't stand up to pee in my own house. I just don't. I think it might be laziness, but also it completely removes any opportunity for urine anywhere else but in the toilet. So I, uh, well, you know, and, and this is probably TMI, but, but bec- I feel oh sometimes, boy. sometimes I feel really guilty that she's always clean in my bathroom. And so I mentally think about if I'm by Lowe's, I go use the Lowe's bathroom. If I'm by QT, I go use the QT bathroom. You know, if I'm going home and I need to pee, I'm like, you know what? I think I'm just going to swing into QT here. Even though it's, it's only like a half a mile from my house. You know, I totally could hold it. But then I was like, well, you know, if I go pee over there, somebody else will clean it up and she doesn't have to. Exactly. So we don't have a like good, solid, always having bathrooms chain of gas stations here. It's really unfortunate. You know, like uh, like Albuquerque in Texas and stuff has Maverick. You guys have QT. Like Kansas City has QT. Uh, we just don't have that. So how I've resorted is Target. Oh, man, dude. I'll tell you what, Target takes care of their bathrooms. They got some clean bathrooms in Target. Yes, they do. And so on an almost daily basis, I'd be hitting up those Targets. Mm-mm-mm. Yeah. You, you know, that's one of the two surprising things about California that are those dirty little secrets. And I noticed it too. Like I noticed when we went to, when I'm in California up there t- hanging with you guys, I noticed that the bathrooms are just the facilities, like the rest stop, the gas stop. The facilities are like way subpar. You know, I'm like, yeah. And then, you know what the other dirty secret is about California? If you catch an animal in a trap, you have to euthanize it. California is the biggest euthanizer of animals statewide, of all the states. Yep. If it's not released on the property, it has to be euthanized. It must. And so here's the thing. If it has to be released on the property, then why even bother trapping it? Like just use, use one-way doors. One-way doors are so much cheaper. And also in California, you can sell, you can sell the one-way door concept. I don't like to participate in it. However, it is a custom. It is an accepted method of getting an animal out of your house is put a one-way door up, let it out. Baby, you have better done some really, really good repairs prior to because that thing's going to get back in somehow. It's going to chew and chew and chew and chew. Yeah. So we just don't participate. Yeah, we don't like to participate in that. But it's crazy. You, you know who is the best state for the animals? Missouri? Nope. Arkansas. Arkansas has the most liberal laws when it comes to dealing with wildlife. You can pretty much do anything you want, release them anywhere you want to release them. You don't need written permission from the landowners. <laughs> what? You just pull up on someone's property and say, here's 10 alligators. Yep. Here, let me turn this whole family <laughs> of, of raccoons loose on you and uh, and have fun with that, by the way. Uh, 
the other thing about Arkansas is Arkansas allows you to have any animal you want as a pet. If you want four or five, if you want to go catch four or five squirrels and have squirrels for a pet, no problem. Go do it. If you want a raccoon for a pet, no problem. Go catch you one. You want a possum for a pet? You want a skunk for a pet? Anything you want. Arkansas is like really, really liberal with their natural wild creatures being kept in a collection as a, as a pet. Well, that sounds about right, you know. Missouri is like, nope. You ain't doing that. Not a thing. Mm-mm. Not Man, I told somebody the bat story. We'll talk about that in another podcast. Remember the bats in Texas? Remember that fiasco? Oh, yeah. Another day. We'll save that for another day because you got you to gotta skedaddle out of here. So thank you guys for listening to the Wildlife Command Center podcast with myself, Chris Starr, and my fearless co-host, Michael Bearhands Baran. Bearhands Baran! Yeah, guys, I really appreciate y'all listening. It's it's incredible. Everyone that downloads this podcast, love you. Love you. <laughs> we love you all. Go check out our YouTube channel. It is blowing up. It's absurd how crazy it's blowing up right now. A thousand subscribers a day. Mm-hmm. It's bananas. Alrighty, guys. Thanks for listening. Until next time, God bless. Hey guys, thanks for listening to this podcast. This is Michael Baran, aka Bare Hands Baran. Make sure you go now to Discovery Plus, download our reality TV show, Bare Hands Rescue, where we are out there every day rescuing people from wild animals. It is entertaining, it is engaging, and it is informative. Download it today and listen for our next podcast.